passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. Rick, this is episode 67. I'm Ryan Wilson. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. Today, with the first pick, Summer Scouting School is looking at the offensive line class. Back in April, five offensive linemen went in the first round. And I feel like this group, at least at the top, may be more day one NFL ready, which is saying something. Yeah. That's the, what? That's, oh, I'm sorry. I've cut you off in your 20-minute yeah. dissertation. On- yeah, I know be doing today what do you what do you think about that statement i'm going to agree with you uh the the guys that i've seen because of all the hard work and effort that you put into this uh summer school scouting and while people are on vacation uh debo (laughs) our boss has really (laughs) put the hammer down on us and spending hours and hours doing tape uh to get prepared for this 2024 nfl draft yeah just a peek behind the curtain before we went on pete uh pete I'm sorry that I call you Pete. I should have to put like a nickel in the swear jar every time I call you Pete. Uh, Rick was lamenting the fact that he he has to spend six to eight hours studying up for each of these podcasts on the individual groups. But that's how seriously he takes it. And Debo, we need a little bell or a button or something that needs to be chimed every time Rick agrees with me. I don't think it'll get a lot of use, but we're one minute into this podcast and, and Rick is already in agreement. I'm, I'm- Alongside of my good friend, CBS Sports draft analyst, Ryan Wilson. <laughs> so that that day or what, what that, that was a uh, hideous <laughs> that was that because my wife bought that for me. <laughs> that was uh i think that was a forced read that you were made to do for for a promotion but either way no one knows that and i appreciate it but that was ad-lib by the way i, I did oh, not yeah, have that, that in the script that was ad-libbed 
All right, let me continue. Rick wanted to agree with me, so you can interrupt me anytime to agree, Rick. I appreciate that. All right, so we're going to talk about these offensive line classes. We'll provide some NFL comps, and I want to see if, Rick, if you agree that at least one of these guys along the offensive line could end up being the second player taken in the draft next year. This, of course, assumes that QB1 will be Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever your favorite quarterback is. Uh, quickly, what do you think about that? Is there a no. chance that no? No, no none. Got two two quarterbacks at least go before the first offensive lineman and the receiver. Oh, that's right, Marvin Harrison. Yeah, if you and when you're doing scouting school, yeah, and you're actually stacking and putting things up. And I know you put a big board together, whatever the heck that is. Uh, you would see that if you paid attention to your big board, that there's <laughs> receiver that's probably going to go number three overall. And then we need another button, Debo, that just says, there it is. There's the old Rick we know and love. <laughs> I'm going to keep a, a scoreboard. One-to-one, one, good and bad, Rick. All right, uh, by the way, uh, Debo enforced me, Rick, that you are crushing me in the who has the best player comps polls are running over there at CBS Sports uh, on YouTube, excuse me. And that reminds me, head over to at NFL and CBS on the old YouTubes. Cast your vote to help a brother out if you don't mind. I can't let Rick beat me on each and every one of these polls. I think I won the first one, and after that, it's been a – uh, straight descent downhill. I'm knocking over trees, running into houses. It's not going well. Hey, Debo, is there? Did they do? Did we put the poll up for these offensive linemen yet, or no? Is that after the show, or how's that work? Uh, we got some results coming in. I want to get a few more results to be able to share it. Okay. All right. Fingers crossed. Wilson's Here making. Can you call in to CBS and Debo and vote for me? <laughs> <laughs> That's old school email. Rick yells down the hall. All right, by the way, Rick, in case you missed it, on the last podcast, you and I continued our summer scouting school series with the running backs and tight ends. And in the previous episodes, we hit on the wide receivers and quarterbacks. You can check out all those shows in the podcast feed. And just a reminder, our summer scouting school series will continue every week right to the start of the football season. The next week, we'll be turning to the defensive side of the ball, starting with the old edge rushers. And one last thing, and we'll get to it. If you're watching us on YouTube, do us a huge favor and take a half second to hit the old thumbs up button. It really helps promote the pod to folks who may not know about us. And it's the slowish part of the draft calendar, but things are going to pick up in a hurry. Rick and Pete and even Debo will be traveling around the country going to some of these training camps. And before you know it, college and NFL seasons will be here. Anyway, to help us continue to grow and keep a roof over Rick's head, because it looks like he's really struggling in that room you're looking at there if you watch it on YouTube. <laughs> Do your part by hitting the old thumbs up button or subscribing to the pod or leave us a five-star review. And of course, the old school way, tell a friend about the podcast. We always appreciate your help. So Rick, I'm going to circle back to what I just said earlier with the first question there. Let's assume that we're talking last year's draft class or last year's draft before the Bears traded up. They have the first overall pick. And let's assume Ola Fashanu had come out because there was some conversation that he might. Now, the draft hall was enormous that they got to trade down and allow Carolina to trade up. Is there any conversation before you accept that trade about just taking Ola Fashanu first overall to help Justin Fields, or are you considering all the options? I, I'm going to consider all the options. I'm definitely going to try to trade, um, and we'll get into Fashanu here in a minute, uh, but I'm, I would still try to trade out because you can get a ransom, and I thought they did a great job getting as, great, as much value as they could because a team like Carolina came up, needed a franchise quarterback. And when you're in position with the number one overall pick, unlike a couple of years ago when Jacksonville had the number one overall pick, but there was no quarterbacks that were worthy of that first overall pick. That was a bad quarterback class, and Pickett was the only one that went in the first round. So they were stuck at number one, and that's when they took uh, Walker, Trayvon Walker. So uh, 
Chicago got the benefit of having a stronger draft class. That's why they were able to make that pick. And whoever ends up at number one this year, and if they don't need a quarterback, which is hard to believe because usually if you have the number one overall pick, you need a quarterback or else you'll be picking number one overall. Right. But I think uh, whoever ends up with the number one overall pick, and let's say, for example, Arizona Cardinals, they'll have a decision to make with Kyler Murray. And if they're going to move on with a new regime, a new coaching staff, um, that they will definitely stick it to that number one overall pick to take either a Caleb Williams or a, a Drake May. Fun fact, they also have the Texans number one uh, first round pick. So they could be picking first and second, first and 30th. We'll see, but they have two first round picks. And I, the- if you were the GM, would you take, just to make sure you hit on a quarterback, Let's say you had first and second overall picks. You take Drake May and Caleb Williams. <laughs> you know what? Like that, it's crazy. Like people thought Mike Shanahan was crazy for taking Kirk Cousins uh, after in the fourth round after they took RG3 third overall or whatever. Turns out that wasn't a, a, such a crazy idea. Here's the thing. So what if, all right, we're going to quick aside. We'll do this for, for two minutes. Let's say you, you take Caleb Williams first. You end up with the second overall pick as the Arizona Cardinals by way of that Texas trade last last draft and you take Drake May and then you just trade him. You could conceivably no. No, I don't know. Trade him. No. So, no. But Ryan, do you remember in 2018 the Browns had number one and, and number four? And that was honestly brought up with five That's quarterbacks right. they in were. that class. They ended up going Denzel Ward at at number four. And Baker. the best quarterback of that bunch or you know, yeah. 1A, 1B, Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson going number 32. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's the other thing. What if you miss on both of them? <laughs> you take Caleb and Drake. and you... i got to make sure I do a good job so I don't get replaced on this podcast. Oh, boy. That, yeah, you had me going there for a second. I was going to buy it. No, that, that would get you fired on the spot, I feel like. I feel like you would go do the press conference like you did for the the, the three first-rounders in one year with Cordero Patterson. Yeah. Yeah, you go, you go to the press conference for the first two picks, and they don't invite you back. There's like, all right, keep walking out the door. Here's your cardboard box. But let me ask you this seriously, though. So let's say Caleb Williams goes first. If you're a team at number two who needs equally needs a wide receiver or an offensive lineman, you're taking Olaf Ashanu there, right? I don't know that yet. Okay, all right. And I should mention Olaf Ashanu is is the fantastic. I, 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 yeah, let's talk about him yeah. because I can tell you why I have do have a little bit of concern. Sure. All right, so Olaf Ashanu is the wonderful left tackle out of Penn State. Uh, he played so well last year, first year as a starter. I think he was 19 and turned 20. What are you well, laughing at? Are to, uh, uh, a wonderful, that's a new yeah, term. I haven't I seen that in a scouting report. I have to start using that. <laughs> that's a summer term. Wonderful size and length. <laughs> he has wonderful left athletic feet for tackle <laughs> wonderful disposition oh he's my a, god that's, he's that's a gentle giant young man yeah so uh he was 19 last year for much of the season i believe and and he was dominant at times incredibly athletic listed at 6'6 313 and i thought he would have been a top 10 pick uh had he decided to to come out he returned to penn state which is great news for, for that program but why don't you tell us uh, your thoughts on on Olaf Fashanu, who i think is one of the best players in this draft yeah, no, I agree. All the physical traits are there to play left tackle. Just he's going to be what twenty years old in December. Or he's twenty and a half right now. Would be twenty one. So, um, in the run game, you see the power to move people. This guy, for as big as he is, plays on his feet in space. 
I thought that he needed to finish a little better at times. He's not always a consistent finisher, but the games come so easy to him. I just like to see a little more grit in him go until the whistle hmm. blows. Uh, very good athlete and pass pro. He's a really smooth mover. No question about left tackle feet. Uh, plays with body control. He recovers with his feet. He has the arm length. That is his true friend. Uh, did give up a few pressures to the inside on the tapes that I watched. He gave some initial ground when they tried to bull rush him into the quarterback, but he knows how to reset and anchor. Uh, this guy can run rushers by the pocket. Uh, he played well versus Hall from Auburn last year and Harrison uh, from Ohio State. Got hurt in the Ohio State game. I don't think he returned and played the rest of the season. I know he didn't play in the bowl game or he was questionable, but didn't play. Still has big upside. Is he as polished and where he's going to be two or three years from now? No. This guy has Pro Bowl written all over him, but he has a ways to go yet to reach that. He has all the tools. I don't know about the mental makeup. That's yeah. something we'll probably learn as we go. But when you And by the way, just to be clear, you're not saying anything bad. You just don't know the details about how he is off the field. Yeah, I just want to know how he is off the field. I'm sure he's a great kid off the field. I'm not assuming that. Right. Um, but I'm just – what's his – demeanor and passion for the game and you know one of the guys that we drafted uh who right now i saw in pro football focus is a top 10 left tackle is christian derisol and there was no question about his athleticism and christian derisol was like trent williams to me mm -hmm. um, but there was like does he finish all the time in space there were some questions about that him coming out but there was no question about his mental makeup and him wanting to be good. And he had some durability concerns, but I think he's going to be a, uh, one of the premier left tackles in this league before his career is said and done. And I see in the same path with this kid, although this kid may, may even be more talented because he's bigger. Yeah. He's the, the athleticism is what gets your attention at first. You mentioned Derek Hall out of Auburn, the edge rusher, second round pick and um, Zach Harrison out of Ohio state who we saw at his pro day, who, again, we sort of joke, that's the guy that gets off the bus first when you're playing because he looks apart. He, I think he ended up going in the third round. I thought he was more of a fourth-round guy, but either way, uh, two formidable opponents that that Olu more than held his own against. So, that all said, and, and you were sort of hesitant when I said, would you take Marvin Harrison, this, uh, Jr., or, or Olu Fashanu if you needed an offensive lineman or a wide receiver equally? What's your concerns with Olu Fashanu in terms of you know, being a number two overall pick. for I guess if you're comparing the two, Marvin Harrison is extremely talented, but he is a proven commodity. Yeah. Okay. Fashanu, this year, now we may be saying, and he has a dominant year, that's going to get erased. But that's the question actually going into this year. Can he stay on the field for a full season? You know, he hasn't started till this year. You know, I think he had nine starts his first two years. And then... Yeah. He played this year and then got hurt in the Ohio State game and didn't finish the season. So I want to see him go out there and finish the season and play at the level he's capable of playing. And that comes with maturity. And like I said, we already talked about his age. So I think that before it's said and done, you may have that discussion between him and Marvin Harrison. But if you sit here today, I think Marvin Harrison is ahead of him uh, if you had to draft today. No, I get that. And if you're watching on YouTube, Debo just flashed the graphic for the uh, odds to go first overall. And not surprisingly, Caleb Williams is minus 500. 
uh, followed by Drake May. These are all plus money after after Kayla Williams. Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., Ola Fashanu, Quinn Ewers out of Texas, Kool-Aid McKinstry, the cornerback out of Alabama, and Joe Walt, the offensive lineman who we'll talk about in a second. I feel safe in saying that Quinn Ewers and Kool-Aid McKinstry have 0% chance of going first overall no matter what year it is. Yes. No, dis- no disrespect to them, but they're just not going first overall. They're not going first, and Joe Holt's not going first either, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in this podcast coming yeah, up. Yeah, we certainly will. Okay, so let's talk about our comps. This is where things get uh, a little prickly. For Rick gets prickly. I get my feelings hurt. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I spent uh, many uh, an hour making sure I had the the height and weight as close as possible, and I, that's where I started, and then I went with – with the other factors, which may or may not be the best way to do this. You are the comp king, so I will defer to you, Rick. Who is your comp for Oli Fashano? 6'6", 313. Yeah, and I when I'm doing my comps, I'm just, as I'm watching, I'm trying to make comparisons. So whatever name pops into my head, I don't have the sophisticated skills to go into the internet and try to don't do all the, the internet. Little, <laughs> little things that you do to try to come up with comps. I go off play style and what I've and what my impression of him is as a player and who that reminded me of. And he reminded me of Ronnie Staley, Stanley, when he came out uh, Baltimore. Now he's a pro bowl left tackle uh, from Notre Dame. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, but when he's healthy, he's one of the best in the business. Six uh, overall pick in 2016, Ronnie Stanley at Notre Dame, my guy. And by the way, Ron, I looked these numbers up in case I could give you the business, and, and you, you nailed this one. I mentioned that Olu Fashano was 6'6", 313. Ronnie Stanley, when he turned his combine, 6'6", 312. Really? You're off by a pound, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it would just think how dangerous I would be with these pops if I actually knew how to look them up on the internet. Thing. Well, you're doing great. You don't need to look them up. That's the, the problem is I have to. So I went with, with Trent Williams. Trent Williams obviously has a lot more grit than Olu Fashano does at this point. I think um, that's one of the things you mentioned there. And Part of the reason is because I think Olivier has huge upside, and Trent Williams is arguably the best left tackle in the NFL. Um, he's 6'5", 315 coming out of school. He was the fourth overall pick in 2010. How angry on the comp scale does Trent Williams get you going for the Fashanu comp? I really respect that he oh, did geez. all that hard work and effort to put that comp in there, and I could see some of that. But there, <laughs> Stanley, there were some questions about his grit coming out. In okay, there you go. So – you I'm bring in the realistic football things that I see on tape. You're Part of my issue is, by the way, is that you tell me on one podcast you're going to shoot for the moon with these cops, and you compare everyone to Joe Montana, and now you're telling me you're you're doing you're doing you're doing down to the the minutia of the grit grade to get their uh, their cops right. So you're you're throwing me a curveball here, Rick. Yep, that's what I want to do. I want to keep you guessing. You don't know where I'm coming. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, the aggregate draft range, our combined draft range, according to Debo, and speaking to us separately because we didn't want to reveal our comps to one another, is top 10. I think he's top five, Olu Fashanu. I will put him in the top five after I see him this year. Okay. But right now, top 10 feels oh, pretty yeah, comfortable. For sure. All right. You mentioned the games. I don't do, ga- I don't do games to watch anymore because I don't want to hear it from you. So yeah. we'll just do your game to watch. And you said Ohio State. And, and last year, you mentioned that's a game he got hurt. Yep, and that's because Ohio State has some pretty good edge rushers that we'll talk about in future podcasts on our summer school scouting series. Uh, and they have a very good defensive line. They have a very good line. They are loaded. Ohio State may have one of the best defenses from a personnel standpoint uh, than anyone in the country next year. All right, do you want to take a take a swing at um, the uh, 
number 44, the edge rusher for, for Ohio State before we go to break? Oh, I I didn't have his name in front of me. Tua Tupolo? <laughs> That's close. Tui Malau. Tui Malau. Oh, Tui Malau. Sorry, I couldn't get it either. Tui Malau. JT Tui Malau. We'll know his name easily yeah. uh, by September. He's a grown man. But um, we'll talk about him later in, in regard to another prospect. Uh, right now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue to look at these offensive linemen. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I want to watch that movie so bad and I couldn't figure out, even though I won Paramount Plus and I have access to it, I couldn't figure out how to put it on my TV because I love the CIA. I love the special ops movies. I watch all of them and Linus looks like a phenomenal one. And so hopefully I will work on it this weekend to try to figure out how to put Paramount Plus on the TV. If you're watching on YouTube, you saw the Linus commercial, the Debo Threw up there on Paramount Plus. To be clear, uh, a, a series, not a movie. A series. Well, he, he doesn't know. He can't get into Paramount Plus. I can't get into Paramount Plus. I have access to it. I just don't know how to use it now. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Odyssey or wherever, yeah, we just saw a commercial on the YouTube show for Lioness on Paramount Plus. I recommend that you check it out. Um, and Rick, call me later. I'll show you how to turn the television on and get to Paramount Plus. I, I mean, Debo, this was the worst idea I ever given this man Paramount Plus. I mean, this has been <laughs> this has been a, a, a something else. <clears throat> All right, number one on our list, Olaf Ashanu uh, on the aggregate list, and you can tell me if your individual list is different than that. My number two on my list and number two on the aggregate list. I'm assuming that this is uh, your guy too, Joe Alt, left tackle out of Notre Dame, six eight. 317. And I'll be honest, I hadn't watched, I didn't watch him last year because I didn't need to, but I watched him uh, a few days ago and I was, I was impressed with him. I, I liked him a lot. I, I thought he was way more athletic um, than I expected him to be, especially at that size at six, eight. Sometimes you feel like you're a lumper. He felt like he was pretty athletic, moved well in space, wasn't a plotter. Uh, a lot of good things uh, about the way he played. I thought he played with great leverage for his size. Uh, sometimes he can get a little too upright, but that's not necessarily a surprise. I, I thought he did pretty well in the Clemson game against Miles Murphy, who was um, 6'5", it turns out. He's not 6'3", Rick. Yeah. Uh, two, 265, and we know about Miles Murphy in terms of his strength. He has some work, things to work on in terms of his, his technique and pass rush moves, but he, he'll he'll collapse a pocket on you, and I thought he struggled uh, against um, Joe Alt in that regard. So I, I liked him a lot, and I liked him a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, I agree with you on some of it. I think he's a little tight as an athlete. So let me ask you this. Why do you say that? Uh, on a run game, he comes off. The question I have is sometimes he waist bends. And mm. waist bends, he's a little 
tells me he's a little stiff through his lower body. Uh, and a lot of that can be corrected with coaching and technique stuff. Uh, but I did like his aggressiveness. I thought he brought his feet on contact. The waistband thing is is what bothered me. And then I didn't think he was an elite athlete in space. So okay. interesting. Level, uh, out to linebackers and out, out in the open field, uh, you can still see some of that stiffness. But because he's so long, it makes him tough to get around because of that length. Very sound and pass pro. Uh, very smart, savvy. Looks like a vet out there, the way he sees things coming off the edge. I didn't think he had great recoverability. Uh, and I think he may struggle initially with some elite pass rushers when they gain the edge on him at the next level here. He's talented enough to play left tackle, but I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if some teams looked at him for the right side as a right offensive tackle too. He's not as pure of an athlete as Fashanu is at left tackle. No, no, no. I agree with that. And six, eight, is that too tall? Is that getting to the the line where you, you mentioned the, the waist bender? Right. No, not okay. No, because of his length and his – he's very technique sound, solid player. So we don't know how long his arms are. He looked like his arms were plenty long watching him play. There were no concerns there. Um, this isn't my comp, but it, it popped into my head because Trevor Penning, the Saints traded up four out of Northern Iowa a few years ago, took him 16th, I believe. I think Joe Walt's a better player in terms yeah. of NFL ready than Trevor Penning, right? Yes. Okay. Because Trevor Penning played with an edge. I'm looking at his numbers. He was 6'7", 325, so not that different physically. And um, you see him here against UNC if you're watching uh, on YouTube. <sighs> Let's see. Is he a better athlete? And I'm thinking just in terms of size, one place right tackle, than Dewan Jones. Yes, way better. I think so, too. But Dewan Jones had, you know, 400-inch arms, so that that made up for a lot of the mistakes, right? Right. Okay. All right, so we agree on that. So Joe Alta, Joe Alta, a good athlete, not a great athlete. You have some concerns about the, the waist spinning stuff, but that can be fixed by coaching. Is that just a matter of, of getting better at squatting? No, just more patience. So, oh, I see. I got you. You're not. You're not reaching. No, because he's coming off almost too aggressively sometimes, okay. or as he's losing blocks instead of staying uh, in balance, he has a tendency to lunge. All right. And some of that is some athletic limitations, but not a fatal flaw. And some of it is just technique, which I think can be corrected. So let's look here quickly. Uh, the draft from a few months ago, the first two offensive linemen taken were Paris Johnson Jr. and Darnell Wright. We, on our list here, have Olufushanu and Joe Alt. I think those two guys are better than Paris Johnson and Darnell Wright. Agree. Okay. And both those guys, are, I, I love. We love both like Paris, both love Darnell, but just in terms of comparing last year's draft class. All right. Again, Joe Alt is unofficially 6'8", 317. Who is your comp for Mr. Alt? I went with Eric Fisher uh, when he came out. So I was comparing him to... I think Eric Fisher, was he Central Michigan? Yep, you got it. Uh, so a lot of, I thought, similarities. Um, just rolling the uh, Rolodex in my head and trying to remember what I seen back when Eric Fisher came out. Uh, so good size, I think, very technique sound, even at Central Michigan. He had a little bit of waistband lunge, but the, he got that corrected and became a, a, a very good uh, left tackle. The other one that I was trying to go back and forth with was Taylor Lewan uh, at Michigan. So those were kind of my two areas of comps. And Lewan, I would imagine, based on how he played in the NFL, had a ton of grit coming out of college, too. Yes. Yep. So, Joe Alt, you have no grit concerns? None. All right. My comp. Oh, I should mention, by the way, Eric Fisher, 
coming out in the combine? Six seven three oh six. So you're an inch off and eleven pounds. All right, my fault. Yeah. Uh, my comp. I don't even hate this one. And by the way, Eric Fisher was the first overall pick in 2013. That was that draft. The 2013 draft was a funny one in the first round. It was, it was sort of, as you mentioned, like the Trevon Walker draft. It wasn't clear who was going to be the first overall pick. It was hard to trade out, so on and so forth. My comp for Joe Walt, Mike McGlinchey. Yeah, that's a very good attempt at trying to come up with a comp. Because Yeah, that's basically what it was. <laughs> yeah, you use your pewter and try to do all the thing. That's I did. It may be the difference is when McGlinchey came out, he did not have left tackle athleticism. Uh, he was a right tackle only, in my opinion. Some similar style plays a style, but Joe Alt is a better left tackle athlete than McGlinchey was coming out. Thank you. I, I appreciate that constructive criticism instead of just throwing a pie in my face. By the way, six seven three oh nine, so not that much different than Eric Fisher and, and 10 pounds, 8 pounds lighter than Joe Alt. Um, Interestingly enough, McGlinchey was the ninth overall pick in 2018 as a right tackle only. Uh, he's been pretty good. We I both, remember we had him come in on a top 30 visit. Yeah. He walked through the door, and he almost had you almost had to grease him to get through the door. He was so big <laughs> when he came in. That was a man now. That was one of the biggest players that I've ever seen in person come walking through my interesting uh, through the door in my office. So both agree top 10 range for Joe Alt? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Again, so I'm checking real quick. Uh, Paris went six overall when the Cardinals traded up for him, Paris Johnson Jr., and then Darnell Wright went 10th to the Bears. So that seems reasonable that those these two players will make their way into the top 10. And it, uh, again, uh, again, a team you're going to be watching a lot of, it looks like, is Ohio State because you want to see Joe Alt against those those edge rushers of Ohio State. Linemen that are going to play against Ohio State that we're grading next year, watch the Ohio State kids because they're pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go down to our next. And I think this is, we'll see if this is number three on your list. He's number three on, on my list. Uh, J.C. Latham, right tackle Alabama. I'm right there with you on this one. All right, look at that. We're making things happen here, Debo. Uh, Latham is unofficially 6'6", 326. Let me see what I said about old J.C. here because I, I liked him a lot too. Again, um, Derek Hall, we talked about him earlier in the Auburn game, gave him a little trouble, but again, he was the 37th overall pick, Derek Hall was, and it's not surprised, surprising that you might have trouble with a with a strong and uh, twitchy uh, edge rusher. Uh, but I thought his overall, he was an overall prospect on the rise. He's going to get better. He hasn't played a ton, so I have to take that into consideration. So like with Olaf Ishanu, uh, he is thick, like thick, thick, and he's not soft. He feels like he's well-built. He feels like he uh, – I thought he moved well in space. Uh, I liked a lot of the things he did. Um, shows good balance uh, when going up against stronger defensive ends. Solid and pass pro, has good base. Handles twists and stunts as well as anyone I watched. And I thought that was interesting. And you can tell me, Rick, when you're good at twists and stunts, does that mean you're a smart player? You have your head up? Or is that just coaching? What it, is that? It's smarts. It's awareness. It's – you know, we talked about mental quickness at quarterback. Well, offensive line, you have to have mental quickness as well because when that snap, you have to be able to read and react to what you're seeing happening in front of you. And I thought this kid did that exceptionally well. Okay, we agree. All right, what do you think about him? Same side. I think this kid is a right tackle athlete only. I don't think he's a left tackle athlete. Love his size, and I've seen him in person. I was down there this spring, and he is a big Man, I'm surprised at that weight estimate because I think he's going oh. north of that. 
uh, okay. looking at him in person, but we'll see. On the field, he looked pretty big, big too. Yeah, he, he is a big man. This guy is powerful. Um, he creates movement at the point in the run game. I think he needs to be a little bit more consistent versus the more athletic defenders that he goes against. A couple of times you see guys get across his face, especially when he's trying to block on the backside of runs. He needs to really get his hands on the defenders early because if there's too much space, you can see him also lunge, which is correctable with coaching. But compared to Alt, when we were talking about guys that are lunging, Alt was a little quicker to recover uh, than him, although they both need to clean that up. This guy was very good in pass pro. I thought he was one of the better pass pro guys uh, that I've seen on the right side. He can anchor versus power. Very patient to pass rush moves. He's excellent when they come on counters to the inside, trying to use his feet to recover and his length instead of just waist bending. Um, but uh, when he's set deep, there's a short set in pass protection where you get your hands on the rusher right away after the snap of the ball. Mm -hmm. When he sets deep where it takes two or three kick steps back, that's where he was susceptible to the pass rushers going to his inside. Hey, let me ask you about that, Rick, because that's a good point. If you've watched football just as a casual fan or if you're like me trying to figure things out, it feels like the deep set is difficult for a lot of offensive tackles because you're going up against athletic edge rushers. So well, who's an example of a, of a good offensive tackle who is on point with his deep set? Boy, I'd have to go through that. You know, like the thing that you have to remember is when you deep set, a lot of it depends on your angle. And so yeah. coaches and offensive line coaches I've been around, when they deep set, it's almost not like 45 degrees outside. It's almost like your kick stepping straight back. Right. That way, and you have to stay square. And if you stay square, kick stepping straight back, that gives you the ability to react to the counter inside. Gotcha. That's where most of them are susceptible. If they go to the outside, they are, you know, because of their size and their length, they can just push the rushers by the quarterback. But where they're susceptible, if they come out and kick step too wide to the outside, that leaves a huge gap between them and their guard. They lose that, as you call a bumper inside. Yep. You kick step straight back and stay square. That gives you a better chance of being able to react to the inside counters where some of these guys that we are talking about uh, are susceptible to that right now. And a lot of then that can be just cleaning up the the kick step and your angle when you're kick stepping back on a on a deep set. And that is why the importance of uh being a pretty good athlete. Like if you're a, a you know a big fat slob out there, you don't have a chance when you're going up against these athletic defensive ends. Yeah. And and it's the same thing too in 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 the run game with this guy. It's the lunging stuff which is yeah. comfortable, but um uh, this guy he will definitely be a top 15 pick. And I think he is a better athlete at right tackle than when we saw um, Wright from Tennessee, Darnell Wright. Yep, that's what I had, top 15 pick. So I'm going down the list here. So the most recent draft, I mentioned Paris Johnson Jr. went 6th, Darnell Wright went 10th, and then Peter Skoronsky went 11th. So let's just go down the list. Fashanu, Alt, and Latham, would you take those three over Johnson yeah. Jr., Wright, and Skoronsky? Yes. Because Skaronsky's actually playing guard now, so we've right. had our first guard drafted, even though I loved him at left tackle, but no one cares what I think. All right, let's keep going here. Who is your comp for J.C. Latham? He's 6'6", 326. Uh, I said Orlando Brown. 
that was my comp because I think he's bigger than 326, especially when I seen him in person. He is a big man. Yeah, I thought I had you on that one because Orlando Brown at the, at the combine in 2018, he was the third round pick, by the way. He was 345, 67, 345. Right. He, he looks to be more 345 than 326. I'll give you that. Um, I went with, <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, before the show, I went back and got all the heights and weights for these guys so I could, I could give you the business. Lane Johnson. I, w- I like Lane Johnson for the, for the athleticism and the grit. I can see your face there. I won't look up as I read the rest of this. He's 6'6", 325 right now, which is right on the number for J.C. Latham. He was 307 coming out of Oklahoma, which I didn't know until the very last minute. So I was going to change it. I'm going with Lane Johnson right now, size and, size and weight. But uh, we don't have to talk about that. He was the fourth overall pick in 2013. All right. Uh, hey, kind of like you're, 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 you're taking shots, you know, and you've, you've been pretty good. And then all of a sudden you throw in a a, a zinger there. <laughs> you know what? It's like I'm playing Steph Curry one-on-one and you're just draining half-court shots. And I take the ball out of bounds and just shoot it immediately. And it, you know, 14 <laughs> bounces, it gets to the other end of the goal and goes out of the bound. Whatever. Hey, All right, games to watch. As much as I respect that, how hard you work on the internet to try to find the comps. I know. This one was a little bit hard for me, although I respect the work you put into it. There you go. This was one, that so hard? This one, this one kind of rocked my world a little bit. This though. one was out there. I'll give you that. I, I do not dispute anything you say, especially you should have seen my, my, my reaction as I was sitting here by myself when I realized that Lane Johnson weighed 307. Coming out of Oklahoma, didn't weigh 325 like he does now, according to. I respected you would still come on the show and stick to I your guys. <laughs> I know. I took my medicine. That's that's how, you know, half the half the battle showing up. I like your games to watch, Rick, because I think this is probably right on point. Uh, Alabama practice. That's all you need I, to see. I go and watch against Dallas Turner. Yeah, Dallas Turner, number 15, is uh, we'll talk about him, no doubt, next week. And uh, he, I don't want to say he was a Will Anderson's shadow, but we talked a lot about Will Anderson because he was draft eligible. Dallas Turner. Uh, he will be the next in line to be the next great Alabama edge rusher. And J.C. Latham will more than have his hands full at practice with him and with uh, Coach Saban, giving him the business, no doubt, because Coach Saban isn't one to – he's like you. He doesn't take it easy on people. <laughs> I take it very easy on people. <laughs> when they bring up a Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. Well, I joke with – oh, I text you. I'll tell you the comp when we talk about the uh, the Georgia tackle in a second. I'll tell you the comp that I, I gave him depot um, over text. So I didn't want to see his face. All right. We taking a break, Debo? Is that what we want to do? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and hit the final two offensive tackles that uh, offensive players we like, and uh, we'll talk about that right after this. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real world results. That's SAP Business AI. 
That's right, Rick. If you have Paramount Plus, you can watch NWSL, the Women's Professional League in the U.S. Oh, Soccer League. And in the World League or in the World Cup right now. So I've been very tuned into the World Cup. Uh, in the USA, they came back and battled uh, to tie the Netherlands last night. Almost had a chance to win it at the end. Very um, good Dutch team indeed. Yes. Yeah, I, I watched the Vietnam first round game where they won three nothing. And I'll be honest, and I think this is a testament to how far soccer's come in this country. I was incredibly frustrated with how inconsistent the women played. I thought they should have beat Vietnam eight nothing. And I thought the Netherlands is a good team, but um that was a physical game now. You watch Yeah, that. those girls don't mess around. Like they 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 play tough. And I give them credit for and this is one of the things I like about women's soccer, they don't flop around like the men do. No, and There's then no- the, uh, I can't remember the two went after each other pretty good last night when there was a over aggressive tackle. Uh, on- Love it. So- Love it. So anyway, um, the Dutch and the, the U.S. will probably get through their group if you're interested. And uh, they have one more game each. The Dutch have to play Vietnam and the U.S. has to play Portugal, I believe. And then it's on to the knockout round. So go USA. All right, here we go. Number four on the list. Again, let's see if we're in agreement. Uh, on this, he was number four for me. The Houston left tackle, Patrick Paul, was he number four on your list? No, he was five, ooh, line ooh. five, six. Okay. All right. Let's talk about that then, because I know our buddy Pete Prisco is recognition because if he's listening to this podcast, well, he's driving to do the Florida swing with me oh boy. for the training camp that Pete did bring up this guy. Although I liked Pete's tight end that we talked about on the earlier podcast. Conyers. Yeah. Or, Arizona state. Arizona State. This one I had a little bit more struggles with. All right, good. Uh, that that's good. We should talk about it. All right, Patrick Paul. He's unofficially listed at six seven three zero eight. And I'll uh, just a little spoiler here, so we can get uh, some more perspective on him. I had him as a mid first round pick, and I was basically I, part of that was based off the the guys that were drafted last year. Like I think he is further along than Broderick Jones and Anton Harrison. Not necessarily a better athlete, but in terms of being ready to start, and that's why I had him going. Top 32, if you will. Um, what else? Let's see what I had here. High-waisted, so long-legged, long-armed. And I don't know if the high waist is a thing when you look at his body type. What are you laughing at? Go ahead. Finish your point. This well, is a meeting where you'd call timeout, and then we'd have a discussion. But go ahead. About what? The high-waisted part? About the high weight, about the better athlete. The, the oh, whole- oh, okay. Let's start there. So I didn't say he was a better athlete. I said there. I said Broderick and Antoine. Anton Harrison were better athletes. I think he's more ready to start. Okay. That you agree is, with that or not? Absolutely no. <laughs> well, let me ask you about the high waist and just the body type. Like, is, is that a concern as an offensive tackle, not being able to, to bend, in, as you mentioned earlier, about one of the other players? Or if he can bend, he can bend. It doesn't matter how high his waist is. Yeah, no, it, he's a little high cut. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, but I didn't have any issues with the athleticism. All right. I thought he moved well laterally. Um, I thought he did well against inside stunts. He showed a good anchor at times versus Tyree Wilson and pass pro. Now, look, Tyree got after him a few times, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Tyree Wilson is a, is a great player, incredibly raw. He will get better, but he's strong and long and physical. I thought he had room to get stronger, but flashed strong hands and showed that he could sustain blocks in the perimeter. Um, had a good anchor at times, but he had a high center of gravity, and that meant he, he needed a little more room to re-anchor versus the bull rush. And you talked about that earlier with other players in terms of not being able to reset until you're in the quarterback's lap. So that's a concern. Uh, need to do a better job sustaining blocks versus the run, I thought. And sometimes when he comes off the line of scrimmage with his head down, he can beat, get beat inside uh, with a with an early swim move I saw on a couple of occasions. So, again, I had him as a, as a first-round pick based on the fact that I thought he was more NFL-ready 
not a better athlete than Broderick Jones and Anton Harrison, two first-round picks last year. Rick, you vehemently, vehemently disagree. So let me just clarify this because this is going to play into our comps. You're saying he's not a good athlete. I'm saying he's athletic, but he's not a high-end athlete. Okay. I don't think he's a plotter, for example. Well, just remember that statement. Go ahead. All right. I, uh, this guy, to me, was a very good athlete. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, he uh, he does need to add bulk and strength. This guy plays with energy and grit. He tries to really finish, uh, especially in the run game, but he just doesn't know. He plays with too high a pad level. He has to, okay. how to play with lower pad level. Um, but, you know, his hands are all over the place, technically in the run game, also in the passing game. For as athletic as he is, he's almost a little too spastic. If that makes what does that that means that he wants to go out there and try to bury people all the time. Mm. So I love the grit and toughness, but you have to do it in a controlled manner. And he's just like a bull in a china shop. I've been described that a few times in my life. Yep. He just goes instead of being a little bit more patient. You can still be aggressive and show the grit and finish, but just be a little bit more under control because you have the athletic skill set to be more under control. Can I ask you a question? So you you think he is a high end athlete? Is that I right? Think he is a, a very a very good athlete. Yes. Is he better athlete than Broderick Jones or Anton Harrison in your mind? Uh, I think he is very similar. Okay. Notch above. All right. Great. Great. No, that's good to know. All right. Go ahead. So, and then the other thing you mentioned, he just needs to get stronger, and he's all over technically. In the uh, pass pro, hands go. We don't know where he's shooting his hands. Everything from A to Z. You're taking an athletic left tackle, and he's a maybe a mold of clay. Yeah. Uh, just a big blob of clay, and you're going to have an opportunity to really define and hone in his skills because of the unique traits that he does have. So but you could have a – oh, go ahead. Time. Right. I was going to say you could have an offensive line coach that falls in love with him for those reasons, right? Yeah, and then he says, "Let me get my hands on him. I'll get him. I'll get him fixed." And Could you also have an offensive line coach that says, "I don't want to deal with uh, doing all that work"? Well, then he shouldn't be your offensive line coach. That's what they get paid to do. Okay, no, I, I, that's good to know because sometimes guys want whatever they want. They may not want to spend extra time uh, molding that that clay that you're talking about there. All right, so it sounds like that you like him. Why do you have him going on day two? The reason I said on day two is because I don't think he's going to come in his first year as a rookie and be a day one starter. I don't think he's going to be a starter. It's going to you're going to have to rush him in mm. in order to be starter his rookie year. I think it's going to take a year to develop him. I think he'll eventually be a really good left tackle in the league, but I don't think he's ready to step there and do that. Now he'll probably end up going in the first round. I could see why you would put him there, but the other three offensive tackles we just talked about are less of a projection. Right. It is. No, I agree. Uh, do you remember um, Josh Jones, the, the tackle out of Houston from 2020? Ended up going in the third round. I thought he was pretty athletic. He ended up going uh, 72nd pick overall third round to the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. How about you? How would you compare those two? Not necessarily athletically, but in terms of being ready to play coming out of Houston. I think this kid may be a little more ready to play. The reason I think this kid plays with more grit and tough. okay, I like that this guy showed on tape when you're watching him that he has passion for the game. Yeah, to play the game of football. I'm not saying Jones doesn't, 
But this kid really impressed me with his demeanor on the field. And I think an important part of that is when you watch that Texas Tech game, it wasn't like he was um, a wallflower going against Tyree Wilson. It seemed like he took that personally and was trying to impose his will on Tyree Wilson at times. And that's something you can take away. That's when you're trying to do all these psychological tests and trying to figure out competitiveness and grit and all that stuff. Well, you can identify that on tape, and this kid shows that on tape. Yeah. just doesn't know what he's doing yet. So, I mean, you mentioned that he's not going to be ready day one. Is Broder Jones ready day one? No. Oh, okay. I think he'll, he'll be – he's more ready day one than this kid because okay. Jones is a lot thicker than this kid as well. And also, to your point about J.C. Latham, practice probably has a lot to do with Broderick Jones' development at Georgia going up against right. all those insane first-round picks. Okay, who is your comp for uh, Patrick Paul, 6'7", unofficially? Uh, D.J. Humphreys, when he came out of Florida, who was another tall, athletic kid uh, that was not ready to start his, his first year. And I think he eventually – I can't remember what year he, end, he ended up starting or maybe he was forced into starting his rookie year. I can't remember his – play history, but he reminded me a lot of DJ Humphreys when he came out. You're going to love my comp. Let me tell you something. 2015, DJ Humphreys was the 24th overall pick. And again, I you have to be cheating, whether it's with your pewter or you're going down to the public library and looking it up in the, in the paper copy. Patrick Paul, Houston left tackle, 67308. DJ Humphreys, 67305. <laughs> <laughs> At the combine. I amazed myself. It's about my, uh, my recall is incredibly... Hey, Debo, let me ask you something. How can Rain Man Spielman do this, but he can't turn on this television to get Paramount Plus? I think someone's lying to us. <laughs> I, I swear, I'm to, well, my mother's still alive, so I'll just... Oh, gee, it, come on, Rick. <laughs> I just do it off when I'm seeing on tape, and just that's who that kid reminded me of. You're pretty good at that. All right, my look, I, I have to... Pre- Why do I have to... Pre- I don't even want to do comps anymore, Debo. Like, I hate doing this. Like It's like a burden. Let me preface my comp by saying this is what I hope Patrick Patrick Paul becomes as the finished product, because DeBrickishaw Ferguson was very technically sound. I, I I didn't watch him in 2006. I would imagine that was one of, the, one of the reasons he was drafted so highly because he was a technician. Does that sound right, Rick? And he was a very good athlete. And right. so you are saying that this guy is not a great athlete, but yet you're going to put DeBrickishaw Ferguson. I didn't say he wasn't a great athlete. I said he wasn't as good an athlete as Broderick Jones and Anton Harrison, but I thought he was, he, I thought he was athletic. Ferguson was a really good athlete coming out. Look, man, I struggle with comps, okay? Can we agree on that? <laughs> uh, DeBrickishaw, who was a great, as you mentioned, coming out of UVA, 6'6", 312 was his weight. So again, Rick beat me on that, even though I had the ability to actually look at the numbers. Um, fourth overall pick in 2006. Games to watch and you put for Patrick Paul, because of the competition, no doubt, the Big 12 opponents? Yeah, this is the first year they're playing in the Big 12, so that's going to be a step up. Uh, so I'm anxious to see how he responds to uh, a higher level of competition. All right, I'm going to ask you this before we move on quickly. I Is there a better chance that he goes, picks 20 to 40, or do you think later than that? Because I think he's, he's going to go early. No, he'll go in the first round. Before okay. Second. He'll go okay. in the first round. I just... I kind of put my grade on what I seen. I did. I should have projected it to the lower first, probably. But what I seen on tape, if I had to draft him today, I would have said second, third round. Okay. Nope. Fair enough. All right. Let's go to our next player. Uh, played left tackle last year. Actually played some center early in his career. Duke. That's right. We've talked about two Duke players here. Riley Leonard, the quarterback, and now we're talking about left tackle for the moment. Graham Barton. 
listed at 6'4", 311. And here's the first thing I'll say, and I don't know if this means anything or not, but when I turned on the tape and I looked at him, I was like, huh, he doesn't look like J.C. Latham, for example, or Joe Wall, for example. He looks like a... He looks like an interior offensive lineman who is being tasked with playing outside because of need and athleticism, and he's probably good and all that other stuff I get. But I wasn't necessarily sold on him just on the on the eyeball test. So let me ask you about that. Is Do you have to guard against that? Is that something you note? When you, you haven't seen anything, but you see him walking to the field, go, okay, this guy doesn't look like he, he has the body type. No, you have to see him in person. So I, I actually kind of like this kid's body type a little bit. But For, I, let me ask you this. Where do you think he plays at the next guard. level? Guard. Guard. That's right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and let me just see quickly. I said uh, more technician than <laughs> I wrote this down, more technician than a bull in a China shop to borrow your phrase there. Uh, moves well in space. Every time I watched him outside, it felt like he was an interior offensive lineman in his movements, his ability to get to the second level, his ability to combo block. Uh, wasn't particularly stout at the point of attack. I thought he struggled to re-anchor versus power edge rushers. And again, all things that indicate that maybe he moves inside. But I liked him for his uh, athleticism. I liked him for his his movement in space. And I think he has a chance to to be a good interior offensive lineman and perhaps get drafted, you know, top 100 or something. Oh, awesome. Awesome. That's great evaluation. What do you have? I can tell you loved it. Go ahead. <laughs> I did. I really, I thought this guy had enough height, but I'm not sure how long his arms are. So that's where my struggle was at left tackle. Yeah. But I think he's a good enough athlete to move inside the guard, which may be his best position. He has the movement skills to fit into an outside zone scheme. I think my biggest issue is I think this guy is a good athlete, but he is also plays out of control. There's too many times <laughs> out of all the guys that I watched, it wasn't because of his athleticism. He was on the ground. I think I charted mm-hmm. six or seven times as I went through the tapes uh, that he was on the ground. And it just needs to get more under control. But I love the aggressiveness in the kid. I think he was a really good space athlete. Some of the things that you see him out you know, on screens – uh, you can see that he has the athletic movement to do that. Uh, he just, in pass pro, he's over aggressive as well. And instead of being patient to pass rush moves. Hey Rick, let me ask you, is that a function of perhaps, um, being not as strong as the people he's going up against and he's trying to set the tone or uh, why does that happen? What, why, why are you trying to put negatives into this kid? So a guy that's coming off the snap, trying to win against the man in front of him. Uh, and comes off aggressively. It has nothing to do with him trying to hide anything. He just wants to beat the man in front of him. So Yeah, but I mean... It's kind of like our comps. I really want to not only beat you, but bury you when we do these comps. <laughs> well, you're mission accomplished. And by the way, just so Debo has some polls later in the show. I, I just, I'm hoping against hope that I pull this out, but I got a feeling it's going to be a landslide, which I'm not so, happy about it. Anyway, go ahead. Back to this guy. Uh, I do think that he's going to be a better interior guy than outerior guy. He's not Skaronsky. Uh, when you watch him, Skaronsky played on his feet a lot better. But I do think this guy is a day two prospect uh, and that he'll move inside uh, because he has the traits. And I liked watching him because I thought he played with some grit and toughness. And I usually give the guys uh, kudos and they, I kind of fall in love with the guys that love to play the game. Yeah, I had late day two, early day three. Um, as an interior offensive lineman, who was your comp for Graham Barton, unofficially 6'4", 
uh, I went with uh, the guy we drafted from Boise, Ezra Cleveland, who had uh, played left tackle Boise, and he uh, had short arms. Uh, he played with grit and toughness. We ended up moving him inside at guard, which took some time for him to uh, adjust to. But I thought I saw a lot of traits in him as I saw in Ezra. 58th overall pick in 2020 second round, Ezra Cleveland. Um, unbelievable. He was, uh, again, Graham Barton was 6'4", 3'11". Ezra at the combine, 6'6", 3'11". So you're off by two inches, you nail the weight. Um, I went even further inside because Graham Barton played center early in his career at Duke, and I did Josh Myers. Look at that face, Debo. <laughs> He's a terrible poker face. <laughs> uh, second round pick in 2021, the year after Ezra Cleveland. But he's six five three ten. so i beat you great I, I beat you on the, on the that, that's the winner now the, you, you had to go work at the carnival and guess wait you'd make a million bucks <laughs> i already got the top hat and the cane i'm all set i'm halfway there all right so the, the game you're interested in is clemson and that's no surprise they have a bunch of dudes on that defense that are gonna get drafted we'll be talking about them in the upcoming weeks uh any other reason you want to see him play clemson no yeah well clemson's going to have some interior defensive linemen um, they, they have two good linebackers, so they always have out of the ACC. They seem to always have the best athletes on the defensive side of the ball. Although I don't know if they're playing Florida state or not, but to be honest with you, the one reason I went back and watched this kid, cause I wanted to see your Duke quarterback. You talked about, yeah. Uh, what'd you think? Yeah. We're going to have to talk about that off the air. A little bit. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was texting with a, a scout buddy of mine and, uh, we were talking about the quarterbacks and, uh, <laughs> he, the Riley Leonard comp for him was uh, our, yeah, the Riley Leonard comp was, was Ryan Finley, <laughs> so it wasn't quite as high on him as I was. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. I, I agree with that scout, whoever it was, whoever your source is. I it could be my dog, and you you agree with my dog instead of uh, whatever I said. All right, so just to be clear, Graham Barton was your. <laughs> there's Rick <laughs> using the computer. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> looking good, Rick. Looking good. Well, how do I get Paramount Plus on this thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is Was Graham Barton your number five ranked offensive lineman out of all the guys you watch? Uh, he, he was six. Okay. Was Connor Beebe five? Uh, Beebe was four. Oh, okay. Well, give me your list. So Olu, Joe Alt, J.C. Latham, and then what? Then Beebe. Yep. Then Paul, and then uh, our Duke boy. Okay. Graham Barton came in six for you. Uh, Cooper BB, I, I actually liked. I didn't rewatch him. I watched him back in the fall when I thought he was coming out. I had him as a mid-second round pick. And then I tw- texted you yesterday. I don't know if you had a chance to watch him yet. Amarius Mims, the Georgia right tackle. He only played, the only game he started was the Ohio State playoff game because Warren McClendon was the starter, and he he took most of the snaps. He had an MCL in that game. And um, I he's interesting. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm not smart enough to look at just a couple of snaps. I need to get a full picture, but I I've heard on the, on the streets that this guy. Has a <laughs> I heard on the streets. So I had him as a possible day, day one guy. And I think if you add him to the mix and when you watch him, we'll circle back of course, and compare it to this year's first round uh, of offensive linemen, which is a good group. Uh, I, I think he could, he could be an interesting guy. Again, another guy who's incredibly raw, hasn't played a ton, six, seven, three thirty unofficial. Um, but, he had a, a day against Zach Harrison. He had a day against uh, Tui Malo Ow. Gosh, I had to say that name a million times. Number 44, who's going to be a first-round pick most likely. We'll talk about him next week, no doubt. 
Um, so those are some other names to watch. Um, the top five guys we mentioned aren't the top five guys, no matter what, just guys that we wanted to see and talk about. So don't take it personally if we didn't hit on your guy here. All right, here are the polls, Rick. Better comp for Penn State offensive lineman Olaf Ashanu. Ronnie Stanley gets 55% of the vote. So Trent Williams gets 45%. So that's another. That's pretty close. Another L for Wilson. If this were a political race, that's a, a butt whooping. Ten percent. All right, another another L for Wilson. Another W for Spielman. Please tell me that's it, Debo. Are they polls? That's it for today. We'll we'll do one per position. Thank you. Golly, what's the overall tally? Four to one, three to one. What what one did I lose to? The Uh, quarterbacks, right? The first one. Yes, the first one might have been. I don't know. We had the same comps for Caleb and Drake. Yeah, so we ended up going with Quinn Ewers, I think, the, the comp there, and, and Ryan won that one. Yeah, well, we'll just re-pull that. Yeah, we'll redo that one. Fake ballots. All right, that's it, Rick. We'll be back next week. Are you on the road next week to the training camps or week after? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who that is, Rick? No. Oh, oh that's, the doctor. that's the uh, Bob New New Newhart. You got it. That's right. If you're watching, uh, if you're listening to us, Debo just threw up a – a gif of old Bob Newhart asking, is that an internet? <laughs> Which is a question we get often from Rick. Are you on the road next week, Rick, for training camp? I believe Sunday we're going to Jacksonville, Monday and Tuesday, Tampa Bay, Tuesday night. Um, Thursday, Tampa Bay, then driving to Miami on Friday. So we'll have a full Florida swing next week. And the following week, I will be up in Detroit covering the Detroit Lions combined practices with the New York Jet Giants. Uh, let me Saquon ask you. Barkley will be there. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about Saquon, but we'll save that. Um, when you did these joint practices, how concerned were you about fights? Because fights always happen. The coaches are in charge. You know, usually every um, combined practice I was with, the you, you talk to your team before. And, in fact, uh, Denver, when Vic Fangio brought Denver Broncos, they actually came into our facility, uh, and both coaches – uh, had an opportunity to address both teams. Oh, nice. That's a good idea. Yeah. So it's okay. Not here to fight. We're here to get better. Right. It's, it's competition. So every once in a while, when, you know, the dog days of summer, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, you'll get heated a little bit, but for the most part, guys understand that they're working and just trying to get better. That's what you're trying to accomplish in those combined practices. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I would just ask one favor when you guys are in Jacksonville, try to keep Pete, from acting around Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson the way he did when he saw Roger Goodell at the Combine, knocking not, over people, worried, giving them hugs. I'm worried about Tony Vaselli because – Oh, I, Tony Vaselli, that's right. I forgot about Tony. He actually ran through me, knocked me over because I didn't see him coming from my blind side. Just go <laughs> stand next and talk to Tony Vaselli on the sideline. Then was at his Hall of Fame induction. I've never seen a man crush like Pete has on Tony Vaselli. Uh, Roger Goodell is a close second, but you're right. Tony Baselli is number one in Pete's heart. All right, so we'll get updates next week, next week when we talk from, from the road. Thank you all for joining us. That was episode 57. Oh, Remember, 57. Count what did I say? 57? Yeah. You know what's funny? Like, I'm literally looking at the number, and I said 57. I'm so discombobulated with this butt whooping I'm taking in these comp polls. Well, go on that, go on that internet thing. <laughs> Maybe try to use some recall of your own instead of cheating on the internet. I can't. I mean, you're like the Rain Man with these heights and weights. It's insane. All right, that's it. That's it for me, Ryan Wilson. Thank you for Debo for producing. Thanks for Bob Newhart for guessing all the heights and weights so accurately. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.
takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.